Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Hale Varsity Radio. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Elijah Herbal. One week, one week, one week. One and week. It is Nebraska and Northwestern in Ireland. There is a surprising, there are a surprising number of people who still don't know that Nebraska's playing in Ireland. I've talked to a handful of people in the last week going to Ireland. They're like, oh, for what? I'm like, well, Nebraska's playing there. They are? Really? Seriously. There are those human beings out there. Those would not be the people that listen to this show. Good uh, for week zero, right? Uh, Chris Schmidt, Mark Rainak, Elijah Herbal with you. Till 9 this morning, can find us. We'll be streaming Hour 2 on the ESPN Lincoln Facebook and, and YouTube. Make that uh, yeah, Facebook and Twitter feed. And, uh, of course, can can always stream us, ESPNLincoln.com. Uh, we are off and running. Elijah is locked into the studio. We were at the Hale Varsity Club yesterday. And uh, it was great to, to get caught up with Mitch Sherman. There's a lot that drops today. Yesterday was reaction day for national media, local media, and fans about uh, Scott Frost and his coaches show. But uh, more meat and potatoes today when it comes to, all right, who's going to be your captains? Who's going to get a black shirt? And it's kind of your final day of prep before tomorrow. And tomorrow is uh, the press conference ahead of Nebraska Northwestern around 3 o'clock or so at Memorial Stadium. And then the team jumps on the uh, the airplane and, and heads on off Monday. So we are getting uh, into it, and uh, a lot's been laid out there. Uh, still some spots up for grabs, but it feels, Mark and, and Elijah-like, Nebraska's, uh, you know, turned the corner, so to speak, in the home stretch, at least in their prep ahead of this ball game. They, uh, they they'll practice over in Ireland, of course, a couple of times. But I think it's three total. Three total, but yep. there, um, a lot of work's been done. You heard from Whipple this week. You heard from Chenander. We heard from Frost. You heard from a number of players. Uh, Turner Corcoran was very interesting to hear from this week. So. It's it's pretty big uh, for where Nebraska's at. Also, uh, the payday that happened this week. You had the billion-dollar deal get done by Commissioner Warren and the Big Ten. So the Big Ten's going to own all of college football Saturday with a monster triple header with Fox, with CBS, and with NBC. And uh, the the. 
you know, ATM and a dollar sign. <laughs> you know, is is it exclusive? It's not exclusive, though. So there's nothing to say that the SEC couldn't kind of do something similar, sure. right? Now, of course, ESPN and ABC are going to be in play. Mm-hmm. ESPN and ABC are going to desperately cling on to SEC football. And I wonder if that changes a little bit about what they're thinking about the super conferences in any way, right? It sort of reminds me of boxing, where you got the WBC and the right, right. yeah, the separate separate divisions. It's it's kind of similar in that way because the, the fact that the Big Ten essentially fired ABC and ESPN is well, I'd flip it around. You, you had three hundred and I believe fifty million offered, three eighty offered for by CBS and NBC, and and. ESPN didn't want to bump up their number. Well, but I know. But what I'm saying is to to just completely walk away from ESPN. Sure. There, there's no conference that's really done that. No. At all. Like, and, and you wonder what the ramifications will be. I'm 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 glad it's happened. I think the package is really good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Obviously, I think you'll get a ton, of, and especially as streaming because becomes more and more ubiquitous. And all the yeah, you, you've all got the different choices that people have. Good platform here with Peacock. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But to, but to think that they are they have no affiliation with ABC or ESPN. It's gonna be weird. That right? <laughs> Every single conference does have that. I mean, they you know they're they're still gonna have. Think about like college game day, never happening again. College game day is not coming to Lincoln. No, nope. ever. No matter what. Maybe if they're number one and Ohio uh, State's number two or Michigan. But even then, those games are not on ESPN. The contract, they'd hit Bama, right? But Mm -hmm. but you've had this this, uh, agreement and partnership with ESPN and the SEC for so long, with the SEC network, with the ACC network, that even if it was a 230 CBS tier one right game, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd have game day at Auburn. You'd have a game day at Alabama, right? So uh, the flip here is, yeah, you're not going to get much love. You can't be totally ignored from a preview standpoint yeah. by ESPN, but they're not going to be doing you any favors. Absolutely no, not. No, And it's, I just wonder how that world is going to look. Because <laughs> they, they are going to go, and now if you're the SEC, you're like, you know, you, you wonder what kind of leverage that gives them with ESPN. Where if they're if they can threaten if if NBC, CBS, Fox have interest in the SEC too, is there is there a chance that ESPN and ABC could get cut out? That would be incredible. I I, that's I don't the, think that, that would happen. That's the worry. That's the worry with yeah. the college. Even though the college football playoff is going to be expanding. Who's going to have the rights for the next round of college football playoffs when it expands? Oh, that's going to be. And, it, and it's going to be, all right, because ESPN, ABC owns it. Are they going to work on getting a third and fourth SEC team, team in over a, a third or second Big Ten team? Yeah. That's, that's the, the dynamic. So if you're Nebraska in the Big Ten, now that you're in playoff position by any means, but from a conference payday standpoint – uh, you're, you're hoping Fox or CBS bids, but I would think uh, from a, from a college football playoff standpoint, whatever's created here, you, you, this new world, right? Um, you're going to be 
in position to rotate your, your playoffs and your championship game like the NFL has done. Kevin Warren sat down uh, this week, and he believes that there's going to be a, a breakaway league a la kind of a semi-pro deal where payers or players are paid, first of all, wow. and the Big Ten jumps up to, to 20. That's what he alluded to. Nicole Arbach from The Athletic had some great info on this. Did, did he mention how imminent that is? I, I don't think it's a short-term, uh, uh, you know, uh, like tomorrow deal, but I think it's within the future where you're going to – because I think the Big Ten, he said, could see adding up to 20, which means – you know, you look at Notre Dame and then the three squads from the Pac-12. Oregon, Washington, Stanford. Boom. And Notre Dame. Yep. And, and then that's your four and that you're set with the Big Ten. That would be pretty sweet. Just just when I – that's the first time I've said that out loud about what that could look like. Think about that. At Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Notre Dame to the yeah. Big Ten. That'd be Not all right. <laughs> Iowa, Iowa Russ chimes in on email. Chris at alevarsity.com. It's like, look, game day was barely previewing games outside of Ohio State and Michigan anyway. That's a good point. Which is very true. Good point. Yeah, you look at... Uh, they coach, did come to Lincoln, though. I know. I mean, come on. They, they set up shop here. It's not like... 2019. It, right. You know, even though Nebraska was struggle on the struggle bus, and they mm-hmm. have been for a while. But, you know, he's right. It's, it's not like... It's not like they were, but now it's going to be, they're going to be completely divorced from it. Completely. Here's the thing, though. You've had momentum growing with uh, the big noon kickoff in their, sure. in their show. Yep. Coach Barnett really talked about this with us this week and the fact that, listen, you have uh, game day isn't what it was. I mean, it's it's still relevant. It's still prevalent, but it's not the juggernaut it used to be. No, nothing is because everybody's attention is divided. And that's right. uh, right. And it's uh, the ability here for for Nebraska and a lot of Big Ten schools to get paid is wonderful, but that means you got to step your game up or be left in the dust. I mean, it's vitally important Nebraska gets off the mat and becomes a team that competes and starts winning some ball games because you're about to enter into a whole new realm of competition with real, with real, real paychecks. You've been getting, getting fat and, and happy financially anyway. Yeah. But now you're going to have a, a river of about $100 million per year coming at you for, for a seven-year window. Think about that. Yeah, and you're going to have to figure out what is the cut, what is the appropriate cut for, for players. You know, and, and well, the, the and fact that a Big Ten commissioner. You've got Tuberville and Manchin working on that congressionally yeah. that I think will – what kind of be your, your, your blueprint, your model for this next Where are those documents setup. at? I, I don't know. Are those at Mar-a-Lago? They are, they are not at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> just wondering. They are not are, at Mar-a-Lago. Where, where are those? The fact that you have a Big Ten commissioner or, or just a commissioner, period. You need a football czar well, or the, a committee. But the fact that he's saying that's happening, that there's gonna, like, players are going to get paid and they're going to get paid via the school or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is huge. Uh, we've all heard the rumors, but I haven't heard any commissioner on record saying, "Yeah, that's happening." For, I mean, what what a crazy, crazy week and uh, sea of change for the Big Ten and therefore Nebraska. Look, Nebraska is going to have these these teams are going to be flush, flush with cash, and when you're flush with cash. 
you're going to be able to get some facilities. You're going to be able to get some players. You're going to be able to do some good stuff. You have uh, Bryant Gumbel. It was yeah, HBO Real Sports is what I alluded to, and I was trying to place the interview. Nicole Arbeck uh, was 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 one who retweeted the transcript of this, but um, it aired last night. You and I were having a uh, a barley soda last night when it was on over your shoulder. Uh, we were watch. I was watching a little bit of that. Uh, and uh, you have uh, Gumble go down the list, so I need to watch that whole thing. Numbers to get in this morning can join us on Hale Varsity at 466-3776-800-825-5865. can email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can find uh, the show Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Elijah, the the stash has survived. Barrett Rude shaved his. Yours is uh, as thick and mean as ever. How's uh, your Saturday morning going? I didn't mean to glaze you over with the Big Ten news before we get into Husker camp. Did you puke last night? Let me ask you that. No pukes for me last night. Did stay up a little too late. That's simply for the fact that that uh, last year's Texas and Kansas game was on ESPN two. Oh, I believe it started at about midnight, and uh, you know I had to catch the whole thing. So. Uh, it was funny to see that that um, the commentators were talking about Casey Thompson's hand back in that Texas and Kansas game where there's extreme close-ups and you can see all the wrapping he's got in his hand. And uh, despite all that, he was still delivering dimes. Now, he was let down by his team uh, in that Kansas game. Not going to pin that on Casey Thompson, um, especially a guy with a, a bum hand did about all he could. So I watched that last night. No puke and rally for Elijah Herbal last night, though. Uh, let's see. Just went to bed a little too late. Now I'm here and uh, ready to talk about some Husker football. It's, it's simple as you that. Know, but it sounds like you weren't working hard enough then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's really what that sounds like. So, so you, so just, just for for folks that you know connecting the dots here. So you you watched Kansas and Texas, and that's the Kansas win. That uh, was a thrilling overtime, correct? Yeah, yep. and and. Casey Thompson had what five touchdown passes in that game for Texas. If I'm I think, not I think Washington had a couple three touchdowns. That's too. that's what I was going to ask about. Like your analysis of watching Casey Thompson in a pressure packed game, and then any takeaways. I think you may have dropped out on me. His show. Oh, that he's been maybe one of the bigger surprises. Well, uh, you dropped out on me just briefly there at the uh, the end of that question, but I think I got the the heart of your question, and that's um, Casey Thompson. I mean, I had to remember the whole time watching it that he was uh, doing it with his hand wrapped up, and like upon seeing pictures that came out later, like I think we talked about in this show, like his hand looked like a balloon. Uh, so the fact that he was thumb, yeah, yeah, dropping dimes despite all that was impressive. I don't think the Nebraska offense this season's gonna look all that much like Texas's last year because. I don't think Nebraska has a Bijan Robinson on their roster or running back they can just hand the ball off to and expect to get four or five yards a pop. So uh, Casey's play last season was much more, you're going to run the ball, 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 and then boom, there's that play-action deep shot where uh, that, that kind of led to the five touchdowns and, oh, you got a, a wide receiver wide open. I don't necessarily think that's uh, all that much like what Nebraska's offense is going to look like this season. I think it's going to be much I hope it does. More, I hope it does, but... <laughs> that sounds awesome. But Please, bring that back. I think it's going to be much more about keeping Casey Thompson in rhythm, a guy that can get in a three- or a five-step drop, find his first read, make a, a clean, accurate throw, and pick up your five, six yards. I, that's my take on what this offense is going to look more like this season, but... Uh, 
if Nebraska can develop a strong running game, which kind of comes down to the offensive line more in my opinion because the running backs are going to be all right, and I think they'll develop a fine uh, running game. But if it becomes a strength of the offense, I think it only opens up more and more for Casey Thompson because uh, a good running game is quarterback's best friend. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of synchronized vomiting along the offensive line into the defensive line's eyes, and that'll help with the run game. That could very well happen. Well, uh, Elijah told a, a glorious story yesterday about his teammate Gerald Foster hurling on a defender in high school football mm. and then pancaked the guy after he got done doing it. He just, old old uh, old Gerald uh, just wasn't feeling great for a moment, let it fly, Elijah, and then in, in game just mauled the guy and got up and went back to the huddle. Yeah, um, and from experiences, I never, thankfully, it was my freshman year when Gerald was a senior, I never had to go full pads Gerald Foster because I broke my ankle very early in the season. So I, I thank my lucky stars for that one. But I remember like summer conditioning where Gerald Foster's out there leading the lineman and we're doing like blocking drills with no pads on and like, you know, 7 a.m. in June. And uh, first day of summer conditioning, my freshman year, uh, I get up in line and who's across from me but Gerald Foster and man, that he was very strong as uh, opposed to a little 14-year-old Elijah Herbal, and it was very, very scary. I, I remember my brother, this would have been his junior years, like one of his first practices going up uh, against JV Varsity, and he was playing nose guard, and Gerald Foster came down and cracked him, and like the whole right side of his body was bruised, and that was the point where I realized, like, <laughs> man, Division One athletes, they're a little bit different, aren't they? That they are. Guys, uh, let's spend a minute here on that run game and the offensive line, and we heard from, from Coach Raiola this week, and guys are continuing to work. That's the, the synopsis, and it's going to be so important to uh, to Nebraska this season, this first game, with what they get out of, of the offensive line and run game. And it's going to be a living, breathing thing that works to get better, but out of the gate it needs to be dependable, solid. And in that that's the one unit that you know you can argue is a liability, just because of of all the new and the shifting. And they could not protect last year, right? And they were very bad at protecting last year. Yet they still called a lot of pass plays, and you had a lot of Adrian trying to improvise to to get a a big play or just survive. With Whipple, it's going to be interesting to see what what happens a week from today with the running game, with the options. What can he put together from a game plan standpoint that is functional with potential inconsistency on the offensive line? We all imagine the the quick game when it comes to throwing. But from a running standpoint, what can you lean on? What can you go with? And... I think we all think you've got some options in that running back room that can help the offensive line, right? It, it, you can have a back back there that can bail out an offensive line that's still trying to kind of get some some solidarity uh, with with themselves as a unit. I'm interested in seeing what Ramir Johnson looks like. You know, it's you know he's going to be in the slot working a linebacker. It sounds like. Well, some he's he calls himself a wide back. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll see him motion out quite a bit. You'll see him in the backfield. I think he'll be kind of that 
that player that Frost has been wanting for a while. The Duck R. S- essentially that, mm-hmm. right? Maybe a maybe a uh, Maurice Washington type role for him. But if you think about how Ramir ran towards the end of last season, something clicked with him where he really thought about darting through a hole mm-hmm. and being physical despite his size. You, you assume that carries forward to this year, and he's going to start the year like that. Now if you start to split him out a little bit, remember he had that he had that solid touchdown against Michigan wheel route. on the wheel route, mm-hmm. right? So that that's an interesting piece. And then I think with Anthony Grant, you have what amounts to a pro-style running back, mm-hmm. right? I, and not saying the guy's going to be a first-round NFL pick. He might not even get drafted. I don't know. We got to see him. But in terms of his style – it's very much that NFL kind of style. That's, a, that's not a dude that's going to fall backwards too much. He makes quick cuts. He's powerfully built. That's a big dude. He's not, he's not easy to bring down. I, you know, he seems like maybe one of the more pure running backs that really isn't lacking for anything. I wouldn't say he has anything in abundance. It's not like he's 250 pounds. It's not like he's a 4-3 guy. Uh, but... He's got good enough speed. He's got good enough strength. He's got good enough quickness. He's kind of got that whole package. We'll see if he can hang on to the ball. That's going to be another question with him because because we haven't seen him a lot. But you at least have that pro-style guy that just strikes me as somebody that will be dependable and may be able to break a couple every now and then. And what struck me about Grant during the limited action we saw him in in the spring game uh, and going back to his Juco days and uh, just watching his film is is he's got the intangibles that, I mean, you struggle to teach running back. One of those things you say it, it can't be taught, a guy just, to ha- just has to have it, which is that ability to know when to put your head down and pick up your four or five yards inside right. and when you can bounce it and, and move outside and, and try to get those 30, 40 yards and make a splash play. He, he knows exactly when to do that. And uh, a lot of Husker running backs through the past couple of years haven't had that intangible. And I think that'll be a breath of fresh air if he can continue that into a regular season. He, he uses his, his blocks well, too. Mm-hmm. And you see that going back to Juco where he's patient enough. He's not just going to lower his head and bull forward come hell or high water. If he's got a guy that's pulling, he will kind of ride that <laughs> ride that guard, he'll ride mm-hmm. that center, he'll ride that tackle, and then make a decision and go. So to, to Elijah's points uh, about intangibles, that, it, it looks like that's what Nebraska has. Of course, he's going to need an effective offensive line in front of him to do it. And you mentioned, Chris, that is absolutely the question mark. You got an all-new coach, uh, all-new style, an all-new offense, Got a lot of different things happening there on the offensive line, but you have a lot of returning guys. Every guy that we're talking about on the offensive line has played, I would say, a significant number of snaps Mm -hmm. to where you would call them experienced. And you haven't been able to say that about a Nebraska offensive line too often. No, they're experienced, but they are, and Mitch said this perfectly, it's a unit that needs to be good. It's not serviceable. It's a unit that needs to be good. And, guys, we'll get to Paul Meyerberg and the rewind coming up. But how does this grab you? I mean, you're going to have the option of Grant and Irvin, it sounds like. Yep. Uh, we'll see if we get a depth chart tomorrow about 3 o'clock. Coaches love Irvin, and they have ever since he got on campus. Sure. I mean, he, physically, yeah, and he's busted it to get back from that gruesome injury down in Norman. But this is your line. This is your outlook here with Teddy and Turner and Hickson and Bando and Ben Hart. 
Those are your five, potentially. And how, do, how does that grab you? I mean, I, I think I have some comfort with Hickson because of, of his experience. And you know, you know what he can do and what he can do well because he's been here. I'm, I'm excited for a guy like Bando because he has continued to grind, and he's a sixth-year guy. I was just going to say, yeah, sixth-year. Ben Hart has gotten better, it sounds like, in camp. He's got a little more confidence going. Raiola's been working with him. He's got a top 1% tackle body yeah. in college football. And then you have uh, Teddy that's coming off the injury, and then Turner that's really for the first time, and, and he talked with us uh, Thursday, he, he, he gets – what he's going up against and grown men across the line of scrimmage in the Big Ten, but just what the what the grind is in camp, and he's been dinged. You know what I mean? From spring and a little bit um, this fall, but he's had to move inside. Elijah, you're uh, gonna gonna ask you for a second here with, uh, you know, give me a little bit of a profile here on on Bando real quick, just because of your uh, you you know your history with him over at Southeast before he went to IMG, but. You know, what, what can he bring to the line, and what do you think of this group? And, Cranach, all of you follow, of course, bud. But uh, Bando is, is a guy that I think is excited. He has waited his turn and continued to try and, and make a dent, you know, and earn that spot. And, and we were talking with Searles just a couple days ago about mm-hmm. whether there's going to be rotation within this offensive line against Northwestern. His inkling is that, yes, we're going to see some guys in and out. And I think right guard is one of those positions where – uh, maybe we'll get a, a series with Latovsky coming in and playing that right guard spot. Maybe uh, you're going to see uh, Kevin Williams, despite the fact that he's been playing a lot of tackle this fall. Uh, I've also yeah. seen him at guard, and uh, I think he's going to be a guy that you're rotating in and seeing what you have. So uh, I don't think Bando is locked up that right guard spot by any means, but I do think he's going to be the guy we see first against Northwestern. And what he brings to the table is that veteran experience. He's been a guy who's uh, played in a lot of Big Ten games. It's almost weird to see with as much as we've seen him on the field, He's never started a game for Nebraska, but he's, he's come in and, and given Nebraska some valuable downs, especially uh, due to injury and uh, just the offense line not working out well uh, like you would have expected pregame. Where He's come in and uh, played well and, and, and held his own, and uh, he's not going to be the most uh, physically outstanding offensive lineman, height-wise, weight-wise, uh, strength-wise. He's not one of those physical freaks, but he's going to come in and uh, I don't think he's going to be the guy making boneheaded mistakes. He's been playing at Nebraska for six seasons now, a couple different coaching staffs. He's played pretty much everywhere along the offensive line. And uh, you talk about Donnie Raiola coming in saying, I want all my guys to know all the positions. He's a guy where uh, Brock, I think, probably knew that already going into the season. That's that's the type of football player he is, where he's going to know what everyone's doing along the offensive line. And he's not going to come in and make a, a dumb boneheaded error. He's going to... Uh, uh, he's not going to blow up a play because he's blocking the wrong guy, is the best way to put it. Is, is he the most physically imposing offensive lineman? No, uh, but you're not going to uh, have just silly young errors that you've seen. There's some dependability um, with him. It's not going to be those errors of blocking the wrong guy or not blocking through a whistle like you've seen from offensive lines here at Nebraska in the past couple of years. Nebraska's offensive line is going to be massive. You know, you look at left tackle, you got Teddy Prohaska that they're listening at, what, 6'10 now? And he goes about He's 320. Yeah. 6'10", 320. That's an NFL-sized tackle. Left guard, Turner Corcoran is going to be 6'6", 300. You got Hickson that goes 6'4", 305. Yeah, crazy. That, that's your smallest guy. Trent Hickson at center at 6'4". I know. It's, it's, it's going to be a massive group. And we'll see how well they can move. We'll see how that all works out. And then look at the other side. You got, you got uh, Ben Art that's 6'8", 
315. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a massive, massive offensive line. Uh, got all the length that you could possibly want, which should translate, you would think, with good coaching, with good athleticism, which I think they have, should translate to good protection and then be, the ability to lean on a defense and wear them out. Right? Well, it's, it's going to come down to that Raiola mentality. Yep. Can he turn them into trained killers, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. can they be angry, big dudes that want to want to beat the hell out of you for several quarters? The backups, the other names. I mean, Nebraska has has ten linemen that have played quite a bit of college football. Because Kevin Williams, you could presume, is is right behind Teddy at a tackle spot. Brant Banks, guy that's seen a couple of different stops at. High-level programs. Piper was once a starter. Yep. Uh, back up at center, you have Lutoski's the young pup, and Bando. Then Hunter Anthony from Oklahoma State, you'd, you'd assume, and at right tackle behind Ben Hart. So, Raiola can get different uh, different groups ready. We'll uh, dive into more. Casey Thompson uh, was named your your starting quarterback. Thoughts on that next hour, and we'll hit the rewind coming up with Paul Meyerberg, USA Today. We talked with Paul earlier in the week. This is pre-Big Ten, pre-Puke Gate, but some good analysis on what Northwestern Nebraska means this Week Zero game. A week from today, we are in Ireland. Take a shot. It's Hale Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment. It's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time at Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery getting ready for Nebraska Northwestern in Ireland and the AP on with their top 25. We welcome in college football writer and insider with USA Today, Paul Meyerberg with us. Paul, it's been a while, man. How we doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me back. We're like one full weekend away from college football, so we're feeling good. I know. Yeah, I hear the excitement in your voice, and you know, <laughs> week zeros are are great for for you, for me, for the fans, and 
you know, that means North, Nebraska and Northwestern got to get it figured out. Uh, Nebraska played a week zero uh, last year against Illinois. Before we get into the Big Red, Paul, I want to get your, your takeaway here with uh, Ho-Hum, another AP uh, Top 25 preseason poll. And, you know, guess what? Alabama's number one again. It's just uh, death taxes in Bama, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what's so sad is that Texas didn't even get in the top 25, let alone get a first-place vote like they did in the coaches' poll. Um, <laughs> no. So that was really – I'm sure we are all just devastated. Yeah, you know, there's um, – you know, it's funny that, you know, things come in threes. In college football right now, you've got three programs that have really placed themselves a, a distance ahead of four through six, let alone, you know, 15 through 25. That's Bama, Ohio State, and Georgia. You know, it's a really strange environment that we've – developed here, at least with the on-field product, and I think this was a fear going into the end of the BCS era that you had this homogeneity of who's competing for a national championship. We went to four, and lo and behold, you're kind of looking at the same three or even four if you count Clemson as a bounce-back team. So everyone is chasing Bama at this point. I do think Ohio State's got just a fantastic shot to get back on top for the first time since 2014. But, uh, you know, obviously, if you're doing bet those three versus the field, I think it's a pretty safe bet that one of those three, at this point, um, you would pick one of them over the rest of the field to claim the national championship. Paul Meyerberg is with us, USA Today College Football at Tail Varsity Radio. I, I think you're right about Ohio State. They weren't, they're not that far removed from, from playing for the title, and it didn't go well that day against Bama. But uh, Ohio State needs to, to shore up their, their defensive line. Uh, that was an issue when it came to, to folks running on them last year. Based on, on your uh, insight and, and looking at the Buckeyes, do you, uh, do you think Ohio State's prone to be better uh, to, to figure out a way to, to stop the run? I know they'll be fantastic throwing the football. I know they'll have a guy to hand it off to. And Travion and the receiving core is just going to reload. Uh, but defensively, can they be marketably better or do they need to be that much better than last year well they definitely need to be better to go 15 and 0 14 and 1 and that's kind of the fine line that we that we kind of referenced a moment ago ohio state's going to outscore out athlete 90 percent of their schedule um schematically you combine those things together they should outclass 100 percent of their big 10 schedule if all things go according to plan but when you get into those semis and championship game you know, if you're not running at full tilt both sides of the ball you're going to get overrun as we saw two years ago when they played bama um, I, I do like the fact that you have a coach in Jim Knowles who came over from Oklahoma State who has a proven track record over his career of finding out ways to defend the run. I understand it's a different beast when you're in the Big 12 defending against you know a more, I don't want to say finesse, but maybe a little bit of a less physical or traditional running game than you might see in the Big 12. But uh, I do believe they're going to devote resources to winning on first down um, and letting their athletes on the edge and on the outside kind of win battles on third and seven plus. So I'm a big fan of Ohio State. This is not like hedging my bets at all. I think it's safe to say Ohio State's the class of the Big Ten. But, yeah, I mean, if they're top 40 on defense, they're clearly a better team than last year. I don't know if they're a national championship team. But if they're a top 25 defense, they're getting off the field on third down. I think they're very, very frightening. Because, like you said, uh, they lost two first-round receivers to the draft, and and they're not going to miss a beat. They're just not. They're going to be the best offense in the Big Ten by a margin. So Ohio State is a beast. Uh, if you catch them on a good day, maybe you can pull off an upset if you're an underrated Big Ten team, but that, that's asking a lot. I think they are, are head and shoulders at this point ahead of the rest of the conference. 
Paul Meyerberg with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Paul, you, you said the top three is pretty unexpected, but I'd go as far as to say the top five when you had in Clemson and Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's a team I want to focus on here for just a second. Uh, we, we've talked about them a lot, not for what's going on on the field for Notre Dame, but uh, off the field potential conference realignment. When, when you look at that Notre Dame squad this year, do you, do you think they can keep it going even after losing their head coach and Brian Kelly? Yeah, it's interesting to think about. I mean, they do start off against the Buckeyes, and that's, um, for better or worse, we tend to really focus on first impressions. We look back to a guy like Willie Taggart at Florida State as someone who really flopped against Virginia Tech in prime time on Labor Day, and he never recovered. Marcus Freeman is a different animal. It's a different program. He has a different sort of leash. But nonetheless, you know, it's 40-10 to 10 on week one. That's a stench that might last for a while. I think Notre Dame is a good football team. I have questions about their quarterback play. What I do like, however, is, believe it or not, I love the change in voice. Not that it got tired under Brian Kelly because they had really kind of peaked these last couple of years, but sometimes a younger guy like Marcus Freeman, you've seen it in recruiting, you've seen it in their team energy when you do get a chance to see him. Um, sometimes that can really pay off, at least in the immediate sense. So Notre Dame, yeah, for sure. I think they've earned that number five spot. Um, you could have put a few other teams there, but Notre Dame, I can't really argue with that. I think they're very, very, very good. I think they'll lose week one, but clearly a team that can get to a New Year's six or maybe backdoor their way into the top four if they, if they run the table from there. Paul Meyerberg with us, USA Today College Football at Paul Meyerberg on Twitter. Paul, got to shift over to Nebraska and three and nine a year ago. You have a wait and see in this state for a better season. You have an easier schedule to navigate if you're Scott Frost. You made changes, and uh, we all think they may be uh, for the better here uh, in a year, but you need to do something to see a second year with this staff. What's your take on the, on the, on the Huskers here for 2022? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it in the vacuum, guys, I do think you, you, you see a reason why you can have a little bit of optimism. Um, clearly, to me, the Scott Frost experiment of I want to run the offense but also run the program was a bad fit. I mean, I don't know if it's a bad fit for his personality, but certainly was a bad fit from an overarching, you know, keep your finger in every single pie kind of approach. So I do like bringing in a veteran like Whipple. Um, as much as any team in the country, I think they will see a really profound benefit from the transfer portal um, and from maybe a few first-year recruits. Certainly that JUCO running back seems like a special guy. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we don't really live in a vacuum, as Nebraska phones know all too well. And the reality of the situation is this is not a program on an upward trajectory. It's a program that needs to prove itself every single day. And to be quite fair, um, four years, five years in, um, I want to see them beat Northwestern 40-14. to 14, mm. And then maybe we can talk about whether this team is for real. Because if you are for real, a Northwestern team that was just as bad as Nebraska last year, if not worse, with enormous question marks personnel-wise, almost across the board, um, Nebraska needs to take care of business that week. So let's talk on the 28th, maybe. For right now, I'm, I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I'm a little bit pessimistic based on what we've seen. But I have to admit, um, it's August 15th. This is a team with potential, potentially be an eight-win team. I think they finish up about seven and five, but clearly based off the schedule, as you mentioned, um, maybe seven and two going into November is because I think that's possible. And if they're in that place in November, or I'm sorry, I might have the math wrong, six and two or seven mm-hmm. and one. Um, it could be a, a could be a real breakthrough year, but no coach in the country, nobody in the country needs a breakthrough year more than Scott Frost because we don't know what the metric is because it's all kind of vague for what he needs to do to come back. But I don't know if seven and five will do it. I think nine and three definitely does it, but seven and five will kind of leave him on a, on maybe on the fence. What do you uh, think of Casey Thompson? You've seen a, a lot of college football. I know the guy had a mangled thumb, and he's still 
was good enough to to gut it out for 10 games against Texas. Does a healthy KFC Thompson jump the Nebraska offense? Yeah, I think so. And, and look, like I, I, I'm like the rest of you guys. I didn't really know the severity of that injury until a couple of days ago. I think I read a story in one of your local mm-hmm. papers about how bad that injury was. Um, Nebraska's had a tough quarterback the last four years. Toughness alone is not going to get you to a Rose Bowl or get you to a conference championship game. But careful football, uh, avoid turnovers and third down, keep the offense running. I think Casey Thompson can very well be an upgrade. And look, I think they've got two QBs on the roster who can play at a Power 5 level at a pretty high level on Thompson and Purdy. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of programs were sniffing around Purdy and not just small-time guys. I think a lot of programs are interested in a guy with his eligibility. So I like the quarterback situation. I think the important thing for Casey Thompson is not so much, hey, do I get this offense? Do I understand the scheme? Can I move the sticks? It's about, you know, breaking into a locker room that has played with the same guy for four years, a veteran guy who played through injuries, had a lot of friends, had a lot of backers. So he's got to win that locker room. I, I honestly i am not educated enough to say that he has or hasn't. But to me, that's for any, any first-year quarterback who's kind of assigned a starting role, before, you know, the day they step on campus, you got to win over your guys. So uh, not to say that's going to stop Nebraska, but it would be great to see him step on the field on August 27th and clearly have the command of that huddle, command of that locker room. Paul, let's talk about August 27th for a second. What's your take on, on the game being in Dublin? What kind of national intrigue does this have? And uh, I mean, we've been talking about it here locally for, uh, I mean, feels like six months now. Just it's weird, but we're all pretty excited for it to, to have the Huskers on a national stage week zero yet again. What, what's the national intrigue like for this game? And what kind of national poll does Nebraska have? Yeah, I tried to go to this game. I pitched it. Um, in an email to my boss, I just got back a, a ha-ha-ha response. So <laughs> I, I think we, unfortunately I'm not going to be in Dublin for this one. I would have loved to be there. The good news is, uh, and maybe not great news for college football fans, but good news for Nebraska, it's not the best week zero slate. We've had much better games in the past on, you know, in those week zero slots. So to me, it's no doubt the game of the day. Um, it's in 12.30, you know, whatever time it is in Dublin, like five, six hours later, whatever the time change is. It's the game of the day. It's a statement opportunity for Nebraska. Um, at the same time, with opportunity comes the potential for chaos. You know, if they lose 17-14, they're up 14 nothing in the fourth quarter, the floodgates will open and it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty for Scott Frost in this program. So it, it's a must-win game. I do think they're going to have the eyes of the country on them. So it's a, it's a great, great chance if they really are a different team and they really believe they are to, to show people that fact. And they should. If they get it done and they have their heads on straight, uh, this is a 14 to 17-point win. I, I'm just not very high at Northwestern this year. Paul Meyerberg with us, college football insider, writer, USA Today at Paul Meyerberg. Give him a follow. Great stuff uh, year after year with college football. Paul, it was awesome getting caught up again. We'll, we'll do this soon. And uh, thanks for a few minutes today. Yeah, for sure, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. This segment is presented by Union Bank and Trust. 
the Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Brandon Vogel from his football office to kick off Hour 2. A week from today, we are in Dublin. Mary Cobbler is our venue as we'll be getting you sent for Nebraska and Northwestern live in Dublin. We're streaming right now, Hour 2 of the weekend, so if you got your mobile device out we are on facebook live espn lincoln or the espn lincoln twitter handle we're in uh, casa de cranac behind him is a glorious ping pong table uh and are you gonna move out of the way cranac uh, i'm at the the dr evil table here it's pretty sweet and um you know we were talking uh, all sorts of things this week with nebraska what i need to get to the bottom of though with brandon vogel uh, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, did, did you ever get into to any puke conversations with, with John Cook? Or or to, when you really nail a column and you worked hard at it, <laughs> was that a five-puke paragraph? I mean, talk <laughs> to me here. Um. <clears throat> I have a strong and have since I was a child a very strong aversion to to vomiting. Uh, so I have <laughs> trained myself to avoid it at all costs. I can probably count on one hand the number of times that that had to happen. Um, so not so much for me with the column writing. It did come up a time or two, I think, in uh, the preparation of Dream Like a Champion with Coach Cook. They have something called the trash can drill. Uh, and there's a trash can on hand for a reason. So when, uh, yeah, something wasn't going right or somebody kind of needed a, I guess, welcome to this level of volleyball moment, uh, they got, they got put in the trash can, so to speak. Uh, so I do recall that, um, yeah, that's about, that's about much as much vomit anecdotes as I have, I think. Well, thank you. And if you're eating breakfast, we're going to apologize, <laughs> but, uh, so how did the, the, the trash can topic come up with coach cook? Oh, I'm struggling to remember exactly off the top of my head now. I mean, it's it's something that's, you know, pretty, I think, well-known amongst the volleyball team itself of like, hey, this is this is kind of a brutal drill. And the thing about it is, is like, I can't remember what metrics they have to hit, but like you basically stay in it until you can get this done. Um, so that's uh that's how it came up and i can't remember what team it was we were talking about but one of a fairly recent vintage brandon vogel is with us on hail varsity radio we'll be in dublin when do you take off are you set to go do you, do you got any international travel packing tips or otherwise <laughs> for the folks that might be gone uh, yeah uh the only tip i have i haven't been t- abroad in five years but i'm trying to keep it super simple um and definitely uh carry excuse me carry on and and personal items so i don't have to worry about uh my my bag living somewhere 
without me for the entire stretch that we're there. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I think that's pretty easy. I, I went to Ireland 20 years ago um, and it seemed pretty simple then. <laughs> Travel industry is much different now. That's my only big concern. We've got a narrow window where everything works just perfectly. And honestly, I've got some trepidation about that, but we'll see. I take off on Tuesday, scheduled to arrive first thing Wednesday morning. Uh, Deputy Editor Erin Sorensen arrived early this morning, um, so she is already over there. She said oh, well. uh, on her flight, an informal headcount included about 50 Husker fans and, and one Northwestern fan. And that was that was a flight out of Chicago. So if Nebraska can just maintain a 50 to one advantage on every flight that leaves for Dublin between now and Saturday, uh, I think it'll look like a lot of Husker road games at Northwestern do anyway. Brandon Vogel's with you know, us I here. Would, oh, go for it, Mark, please. Be my guest. Sorry, I was just going to say, I, I, it, real quick, I would not be surprised if Nebraska fans exceed. The number you keep is 10,000, and I, it, it reminds me of Colorado <clears throat> Colorado 2019, I believe that was, where, look, everybody was like, ah, you'll get 15,000, you'll get 20,000, and you know, Nebraska took it over. It was they like, did. It was there, was like no more, there was no more Coors left, and yeah. that is partially due to overtime, partially due to uh, – Thirst. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see 15 to 20 there. We'll see. We'll see. Sorry, Elijah, I had to cut you off. Yeah, you've got to go back to the 15 to 20, don't you? Yeah. That's, okay. That's what I'm thinking. Brennan, I, I want to get your take real quick. Uh, and if you have any advice for passing the time during a flight like that, I mean, some people out there are going to hop on the in flight entertainment and play blackjack against the gentleman in 16C. Very cool feature. <laughs> um, that doesn't strike me as a, as a you thing, though. Are, are you a, a book reader? Are you going to download some shows off Netflix? What, what's your plan for the flight? Yeah, I'll probably download a movie or two, um, and then I'll check to see. I'll check to see what in-flight entertainment has in uh, or has available in terms of movies specifically. Uh, we watched a couple of good ones during travel this summer that I otherwise wouldn't have had access to. So we'll see there. And then I've been like trying to plan out uh, what book it is that I need for for this for this voyage. Um, still, it's going to be a game time decision. I've, I've got a number of candidates but definitely always have a book with me as well well anyone going okay over, i'm gonna anyone going over if you need a book may i recommend john cook dream like a champion there you go <laughs> look at that man i elijah herbal uh you're doing me proud here uh i gotta ask you we'll get to football and casey thompson and captains and black shirts and puking and we'll get to all of that stuff here shortly but just to to, to put an end to the travel um what what what's your top two Husker draft pick YouTube games? All right, you got ten hours to kill. What game are you going to rewatch on YouTube? What what Husker classic are you going to check out? Ah, uh, really good question. Um, man, there's there's a lot. I mean, the 2009 game, even though it's painful, is never gonna gonna do you wrong. Nebraska Texas, of course. Um, trying to. I can tell you because I watched about half of it the other day. If you don't want a Nebraska game, the 1989 Pitt Rutgers game in Dublin is is available on YouTube with commercials, which is nice. You get a trip back to 1989. Um, so I was watching that for a little bit uh, yesterday. That that's out there. Um, let's see that two, 2014 Miami game. Last I checked, this was a couple of years ago. Uh, was was available. That one's a ton of fun as well. So that's two to get you started, plus the wild card of, you know, 
everybody needs to watch a little Rutgers football from 1989. Look at you diving deep. I appreciate that. Brandon Vogel with us. Vogues, you had Coach Frost name Casey Thompson the starter. Not a not a huge shock, but you know all three can play. And uh, how how do they how do they get Casey ready for for a week from today? What what's we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. So what are you asking? I asked Jacob this, and I'm interested in in your opinion with um, with the script. We've not seen much of Casey outside of what was on ESPN and, and Fox wearing burnt orange a year ago. So his fit with Whipple and how that rolls out to get off to a good start a week from today. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of YouTube, uh, some enterprising Texas fan put every uh, every one of Casey Thompson's snaps on about a 40-minute video. So you can uh, you can get that one if you need if you need in-flight entertainment that that's not a bad place to start uh i think because it's 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 a first game this would be true no matter where it's played it's probably a little extra true given the circumstances here i think you try to keep things pretty manageable i think you try to go through the plays i mean whipple's talked about a lot about like he'll go to his quarterbacks and say hey what what are you comfortable with so you lean pretty heavily heavily on those. I think you dial up a couple of shots that you know Northwestern probably couldn't be prepared for and see how those go. But for the most part, I expect it to be pretty kind of calm and controlled. And, you know, this has been the case for Nebraska for most of the past four seasons. Like, try to take control of a game early. Things go so much better when you do that. And I would expect that goal to to be reflected a little bit in – in how Nebraska comes out offensively in particular. Brandon Vogel's with us here, a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, I like that last point. Quickly, just how big do you think in the grand scheme of a season could an opening drive touchdown be for Nebraska? If they take the ball, drive the ball 80 yards, and go up 7 to nothing against Northwestern, I mean, it seems like something small, but with what we've seen in the past couple of years, it could be just absolutely monumental in the grand scheme of the entire season. Yeah, I think I think it could be. Um, I mean, we've well, we heard that basically at this point last year, uh, almost fifty-one weeks uh, or fifty-three weeks ago or way, uh, they talked about the start against against Illinois and and how that didn't go well. And you know, one of the big kind of stories of Nebraska, and I've talked about it a lot, I think, is just they're constantly playing uphill because they don't get those opening drives where they come out and put put points on the board, much less a, a touchdown. So to come out and have your opening drive, like work as well as like your dream scenario, like ah, everything we called mostly worked. We went down the field. Yes. Northwestern probably didn't have an idea what like four of these plays were going to be. Uh, so it might be a little bit of a false positive to a degree there, but that's okay. It's still a positive for Nebraska and for a team that is, struggled to do that so much in the past but we have also seen have a tendency to things kind of fall apart uh pretty quickly uh you look back at kind of the one score games a year ago that's certainly been the case uh, just getting that little bit of hey like we went out and did what we wanted to do would be pretty big on the on the scott frost radio show this week he kind of went position by position and gave his breakdown there. And in true Scott Frost form, he, he's consistent. 
that he's he's always very praiseworthy of his of his team. And if you're just listening to that show alone, this is a playoff team, right? Uh, he's really bullish on on every single position. But if you read between the lines a little bit, Brandon, wh- wh- where do you think position group wise there's legitimate cause for concern or at least intrigue? Yeah, I would say the top three are probably in in some order. O line, um, yep. like what I mean, like the talent level there, but just haven't seen enough uh, kind of consistent results in in recent seasons. Wide receiver remains mostly a mystery to me, and that can that can be okay. You know, you'd love to to have a a returning all conference wide receiver. Every team would, but you know the thing with the passing game is, is like, if, if you've got guys that can play and do it consistently, like somebody's going to catch those passes, they're going to throw them. So it's just one of those where it's hard to identify who even maybe their top two or three might be um, at that group. And then there, there are questions on the defensive line, uh, how quickly those transfers are ready to go. Um, what you're getting from some guys kind of stepping into roles that have been on campus for a while and Nash Hutmacher and Colton feast so Ty Robinson's really your only known quote unquote on on that in that position group. So those are the three big ones, I think. And it includes both lines, which is a pretty big deal uh, in in football in general, but particularly in the Big Ten. Vogues will probably hit on this more in a week because you are going to have a pint with me at the Mary Cobbler. Now we're just going to we're going to put you on the spot here this morning. Thursday. Okay. Thursday would be a great day to go if you don't have plans already, Brandon. So Thursday afternoons, evening. So food and drink. Brandon Vogel's like, let me check my schedule. Um, <laughs> but uh, when when we talk about concern and the the wide receivers, fair point with just those new faces and new names. I want to go to the captains, okay? Because that's on the to-do list presumably today along with the black shirts and who are some of the, the captain candidates for you can one of those come out of the wide receiver room it's not necessarily typical uh that you get a, a wide receiver that's a captain but you've got arguably uh some of your best players in that room your your, your best talent and if you have the top talent that is also your leader that's what you hear a lot of coaches say they they dream of. Who are the names you're looking at here uh, when we find out who who's elected, who's selected? Um, I, I mean, I think Garrett Nelson is a lock. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's he's been taken off the board. Nobody was 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 betting on it because mm-hmm. the odds were too too uh, too much in the the favor. You had to, you had to put up too money too much money to win too little on Garrett Nelson. So I think he's in. There's a ton of candidates on defense. You know, assuming Nebraska goes two and two again, where it gets interesting is the offensive side. I would be surprised if Travis Vokalek wasn't one of those players. So doesn't quite check the wide receiver box, but I think that's about as close as you're going to get because then you are looking at transfers uh, at wide receiver plus some guys who are still waiting to make their impact at Nebraska. That said, you know, a, a player like Alante Brown might be a, a bit of a wild card there. He's been yep. consistently mentioned since the first time Mickey Joseph spoke as a member of Nebraska's coaching staff. So I could see somebody like that, um, maybe somebody in the running back room. And, 
you know, you, you can never count out just the quarterback in general, uh, which would be in the case, you know, a first year player at Nebraska, of course. So, yeah, that second offense spot is is really a wild card and can kind of be intriguing. You know, I expect to hear. Well, I know we know the captains are being announced at the event this evening at Memorial Stadium. So we'll find out in a couple of hours. Yeah, Brandon, I got, go for it, Mark. I, I, and I'm curious what you got, who you got, Elijah. But yeah, defensively, there's no question Garrett Nelson. Offensively, mm-hmm. Travis Vokalek. Those guys seem like locks. Mm-hmm. I think also defensively, Luke Reimer has a big shot. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, I got either Alante or Ramir. Uh, who you got, Elijah? Ramir seems like a, a good bet here just because of what he's doing on special teams and uh, and make finding a way to get on the field doing the dirty work that the coaches have been really high on him through fall camp. And I, I guess this is a, a captainship that's voted on by your peers, so uh, that's a part of it as well. But uh, Alante, or sorry, I should say Ramir, a lot of good things coming out of him about fall camp, about how he's uh, putting team above self, and, and that makes me think of a, a good quality within a captain. Yep, yep. You know, I, th- I think you need you have your your Nebraskan that's on the on the line. So Garrett is is good to go there. I think you have uh, uh, Quentin Newsom as He's as an option, shot. right? Because you need someone in that secondary potentially on the. But I like Reimer a lot. That's what I, I'm saying. I I really like Reimer offensively. Maybe it's Corcoran. Um, because I, I would like an offense, but you need you need to be able to do more on the field, and it's not that he can; he's just he's not played a lot. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's but no Vokalek, and I think you know what Vokalek, Ramir, Nelson, and Newsom. Mm-hmm. There's your four. That'd be good. What's 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 the the casino Casa de Vogel say about that? What are the odds? I probably at, at Brandon Sportsbook we're offering attractive odds on Ty Robinson, and if I weren't prevented from huh. betting at my own sportsbook, I'd throw a little <laughs> on there. You're probably talking like eight to one, so you know, you throw a ten spot or twenty too. spot on that, come away with dinner for the mm. night. Mm. Well, we're, we're sitting here like trying to to match like oh you got to have a guy from the secondary you got to have a guy from the offense line and that's I mean this is voted on by the team I don't think that's how the team is thinking about it. I think they're probably picking the four guys within the thing uh, within the team to. that, that sure. they, they listen to and, and are actually leaders within the program so for as much thought as we put into it we might be putting more thought into it than the team actually is <laughs> yeah. very fair yeah. Vogue's uh, real quick thoughts on uh, Northwestern here what what is scaring you about the Wildcats a week from today yeah, so they've got um, they've got maybe the best left tackle in college football entering the season, and they've got a really good defensive end as well. In fact, you know, looking at how much there is to sort out for Nebraska on both lines, I think it's fair to say they've got the top two players in this game at those two respective spots. So that has the potential to get interesting. Got a couple of good running backs. Cam Porter's coming off of an injury. Pat Fitzgerald has said he – you know, is content to kind of gradually work him in. So we'll see how much he's he's ready to go right away in week zero. But their leading rusher from a year ago, Evan Hull, rushed for over a thousand yards. So I think it'll be pretty clear offensively. That's what Northwestern will will hope to do. Uh, run behind Skaronsky, the the left tackle, with two pretty good running backs. Keep things manageable for quarterback Ryan Linsky. I mean, like a lot of Northwestern teams, you 
I don't look at the roster and say who scares you on the outside. So, so that's, you know, a pretty big question mark. And also the defense, uh, really like took a bigger step back than I think was even fair or what I even anticipated for a team that lost a ton of returning production going into last season. So they've got a little to work back from there, but kind of have a a really good, like all conference caliber player at all three levels. So Northwestern's in the mix with where they typically are on their every other year schedule. Like, I mean, they're starting lower, I think than they do typically in the past, but like, if they go on a run this year, it wouldn't shock me at all. Um, I wouldn't say it's probable, but it wouldn't surprise me. Brandon Vogel, uh, hey, quickly, the red-white game for volleyball is tonight. A lot of stuff I'm looking for in this one. One of them being, does Nebraska transition to more of an offensive team? I feel like they have that firepower and that potential to you know, really uh, highlight a couple finishers. Is Kinsey Knuckles realistically? Cook mentioned it on his radio show that they're they're trying her out in the front row. I mean, this is she was a libero. She's five eight. Supposedly, she can touch rim. <laughs> Do you think she's a legitimate option there? I think so. Um, I think you know, Cook doesn't usually uh, fly a bunch of, of false flags with with those sorts of things. So. I wouldn't be surprised if we got a pretty solid look at it, maybe starting tonight, but even through non-conference play to see what she can do. And, you know, she's been a player who's consistently mentioned as just uber athletic. Um, and we obviously have seen that in the back row. It's it, it becomes a little strange. Like we're used to volleyball being dominated by, you know, players that are 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", or taller in the case of, of some schools. Um, but athleticism still still translates so i wouldn't be shocked there i'll be real interested to watch the middle blockers tonight um and then also just to see it's an intra-squad squad scrimmage so things will be a little bit different but like let's see where nicklin hames fits into this whole thing um yeah. so it'll be an interesting night for nebraska volleyball i think the most impressive thing there though is is she can touch can anyone in this in this radio broadcast quick strapple can any of us touch rim in, in my best days, I Never. could touch the bottom bracket part. <laughs> I could get net, like. Yeah. But, dude, you're like 6'7". <laughs> Can't touch rim. No hops, dude. No hops whatsoever. Uh, well, it, I mean, look. By next week, Elijah's going to be 6'9". <laughs> look, this, hey, this is pre, preseason number one in Nebraska volleyball. And, no, I know. They're incredible. And then looking, I, I want to see Kennedy Orr, how she handles an offense for an entire Entire match. I don't get the sense that Cook is super pleased with her yet. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a motivational thing or what. Brandon, but are you picking up on that too? Like, I don't think he's super high on her at this moment. Yeah, it's you know having having Hames. It's kind of like, like okay, we set this up for you. You know, Nicklin did made the decision she made, uh, so it's it's go time. I think it might it could be at this stage still a little bit motivational i mean everyone raves about how good of a player she is the difference with cook is he knows like what kind of center you need to well basically win the big 10 and win a national championship potentially and she's still a first year setter she's still coming off a pretty big injury you know going into her first season a year ago so i think that's all all in play here uh so it'll be it'll be interesting to get a look a look with her she's taller than nebraska setters have been recently 
which has the potential to get pretty interesting. But yeah, there's there's still uh, there's still some ground to cover, I think, with Nebraska at that position. Brandon Vogel with this Hale Varsity Weekend Edition at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogue's off to uh, Dublin this week. We'll join him later in the week. Vogue's uh, take care. We'll check in with you across the pond. Thanks so much for this morning. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Brandon. There he is Brandon Vogel from his football office. Weekend edition continues on. A quick timeout. The Iron Horse. Gary Sharp will be with us. He had a great call last night with bell west and prep uh, a thriller to get week zero kicked off and the week that's been uh, with nebraska football camp uh, coach frost and uh, some players tomorrow at memorial stadium before they head out weekend uh, edition hail varsity continues presented by the nebraska lottery Hey, Storm Chasers fans. Your favorite baseball team is back at home August 23rd through the 28th when they take on the Rail Riders. It's a jam-packed series that includes a dollar beer night, Friday fireworks, a fun-filled Saturday with music by Lucas Minor and craft specials on Nebraska Brewing Company. And how about Imaginary Friend Day on Sunday? Stevie, you hear that? No, Stevie, stop. This is my mic. Sorry, folks. Stevie gets excited sometimes. Hey, hold on to that excitement and channel it on August 28th at 2.05. Sound good? All right. Fans, get your tickets now before it's too late. We'll see you soon. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Well, no martinis this morning, weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Can we get Bloody Marys over in uh, Dublin? Mean, yes, absolutely. Yeah, they'll have those. Okay, I'm just... Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Uh, we won't be frowned upon because a week from today we'll be on over there at 1 o'clock, I think, right? Yeah, it'll be 1 o'clock. So we're, we'll be on at our normal time here on Saturday morning. Yes. Here in the States. From Dublin, from the Mary Cobbler. From the Mary Cobbler, 1 o'clock. That's about when uh, stuff gets cracking there. The kickoff is at 5.30 local time in right. Dublin. Yes. 11.30 here. We'll be, uh, you know, a football throw away from the stadium. A, a good punt. Not a bad punt. Yeah, yeah. A good punt away from the we stadium. Won't be too far away, and so we'll have you uh, have you covered same time as as now next week, and then after the game too, mm-hmm. probably within a half hour or so. Elijah is going to kick things off on mm-hmm. the on the post game show, but then we'll have a live check in from Dublin. This is assuming that we can get through all the weird privacy internet rules that happen in Dublin. There's a little bit of nervousness about our technical setup, but we are going to endeavor. To have that all sorted out yeah, on Thursday, the the old data plan is has been ramped up and you amped think Chris up. Chris knows what a VPN is. I tried Elijah? to explain it to him one time, and he was a little Come bit on. lost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we may have to do that. I'm going to look into that. That's a good, actually a really good call out. Schmidt and Tech are uh, no bueno. <laughs> we welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. With a Sharpie, can you help me out with my tech problems? How are you? What was that you said? Ah. <laughs> I was actually really worried for a second. I was like, what's going on right now? <laughs> Brother, it's a week. You excited? You know what? It's, uh, boy, hasn't, 
it seems like at times, like yesterday, camp has gone on forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at other times, it's like, whoa, all of a sudden, it's week zero of high school football last night, and a week from today is the start of the season. And it seems like we were just talking about the spring game, but it's here. I, I will say this. After this past week, all the good and the bad that was involved around Nebraska's football camp, God, we need football. God, we need a game. I mean, we're to the point where we don't like each other just like the players. We're fighting with each other. Everybody needs a game, and we're just a week away before we get that game. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You heard Scott Frost talk about his uh, team this week on on his weekly radio show where he went position by position. He's bullish on all of them, of course. Um, Gary, where do you think it's legitimate that he should – because he's excited about every position group, and he always is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Where do you think that's legitimate and actually well-founded? Because, you know, there's no way that all of them are going to be fantastic, we don't think. Which one do you think he legitimately is bullish on and he's, he's justified in believing that? Running backs on the offensive side of the ball, I think that's a really good room where there's a lot of competition and guys are making each other better, and it's a well-coached room where even if your front-line guys aren't outstanding, you've got A.J. Allen that is coming, guys. I don't know when he's going to arrive, but he has had a really good last two weeks, and he looks like, wow, that's what a Nebraska running back should look like. So I think the running back room is in really good shape, and I actually think that's going to be a strength of Nebraska is running the football with those running backs. Now, on the other side of the ball, how can you not be excited about your edge rushers? I think you've got some talent there. You've got some guys that have played some football that are really, really good. And then I think you like your, your, your inside linebackers. Now, I don't think you like your depth behind your inside linebackers, but you like those two guys. And then I think there's a growing belief in your secondary has come away. I will tell you, one of the bigger developments – in fall camp is that Tommy Hill has arrived. We saw him in the spring, and you're thinking, okay, this guy's probably going to start, but, man, I was a little bit underwhelmed in the spring. His head head was spinning. But he has had a fantastic camp, and he has some dog in him. That's a word that Travis Fisher likes to use. That Tommy Hill has done a good job of solidifying that spot. So I think in the back end there's a growing belief that you like that area with your quarterbacks and your safety. You like your edge rushers. You like your running backs. Outside of that, I think there's – I like, but I don't love other position groups. And then there, of course, I believe the line of scrimmage, offensive line and interior defensive line, you go, hold on, let's just be functional. Now, Gary, for the, the type of individual out there, the, the casual Husker fan who, you know, a week out of Dublin is, is scrolling through the, the podcast out there and finds Hale Varsity Radio and goes, you know what, I, I'd love to get a little preview here before uh, this game. Who's a, a potential breakout candidate uh, among the guys that may be a little unheralded among casual Husker fans that, that could have a, a huge game against Northwestern and could really make a name for themselves among the Husker faithful? Oh, a huge game against Northwestern. Um Gosh, the, the people would not know. Um, maybe one of the back end, backup tight ends. I will tell you, I'm a, no, I'm going to stick with this. Travis Vokalek. So people know Travis Vokalek, but Travis Vokalek kind of played a little bit in the shadow of Austin Allen last year. Mm-hmm. Travis Vokalek has had a really good fall. He's going to be named one of the captains today, by the way. Um, all three guys that went to Indianapolis, I believe, will be captains. And then there will be another player that will uh, be the fourth captain. But Travis Vokalek has been a thorn in the side of the defense during fall camp. And I think even though we know him, Elijah, 
He'll be a guy that will slide to the forefront. And I think in the passing game, where I still have a little trepidation about the wide receivers, I think a guy like Travis Vokalek will be, be used heavily uh, next Saturday. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, getting set for Nebraska Northwestern one week away. Kind of crazy to say that out loud. I want to go back to edge rusher. And am I, am I crazy in thinking that Caleb Tanner could actually be the breakout guy? Not Garrett, not Oshan, but Caleb Tanner. Is there any validity in that? Well, you know, go back, uh, Mark, two years ago, and we wondered about Caleb Tanner. I mean, he has all the look of, okay, length, speed. Um, One in a million body. Yeah. And then he really struggled two years ago. And then last year, I thought quietly, Caleb Tanner had his best year as a Husker, and he got better as the season went along. My My only thing that stops me from going all in on what you're saying is, was last year the ceiling for Caleb Tanner? And if he gives that to you again this year, is, is that okay? Which you could say, yeah, but you would think that he came back for a reason to make that jump. But I could see that. You could convince me because he has some help on the other side where, you know, you might have to pay a little bit more attention to the, the side opposite of Caleb Tanner. So maybe that benefits Caleb Tanner. But he had a really good year last year. If he could at least maintain where he was last year, that's a bonus for Nebraska. But I think we're, we're – Mark, I think you and I might be vibing here where he came back not to be like he was in 21, but to make a jump in 22 where people around the league are talking about him. And defensive or offensive coordinators or an offensive line coaches at opposing teams, when they flip on the film, they have to account for number two. Gary Sharps with us here, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend. Sharpie, I want to go to quarterback, and Casey Thompson named the starter – what um, what's that mean for this offense, and what uh, what do you envision the ask of of Casey Thompson in this offense from Coach Whipple? Don't have the warts that Adrian Martinez had. I, I, I will tell you from fall camp and the people I talked to that were at both scrimmages and were there the entire time. Chubba Purdy had a good fall camp, but Chubba Purdy turns the ball over. What was the problem last year at quarterback? Turning the ball over. Casey Thompson hasn't turned the ball over. Now, Casey gets a little bit of a reset because he's got a brand-new form. It has that affect him. But what they're going to ask Casey Thompson to do is to play smart, efficient football. I think Nebraska will run the ball a lot because I think right now that is their strength. I don't think a straight drop back is advisable for Nebraska because I think that offensive line as a whole has trouble pass blocking. But when they ask Casey Thompson to throw, I think you're going to see a high percentage of intermediate passes where he can just play pitch and catch, and that's what they want. You know, they really kind of wanted that out of Adrian, and that was not his strength. I think Adrian throws a a more consistent, deeper ball than Casey Thompson does, but I think in this offense, to get guys in space, I think Casey will be better at the simple just pitch and catch and then have wide receivers or tight ends or running backs run after the catch. They're not asking him to be Superman, guys. They're asking him just to be very efficient, get guys lined up, get in and out of the huddle, get the offense moving down the field, and then make smart plays in the red zone. Use your experience. You played a lot of football. Don't shoot yourself in the foot because we're going to play to your strengths. We're not going to make you do something that you can't do. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. It, you know, Gary, you've been, you've been pretty consistent with this. You, you really think that this is a, a unit that is going to lean on the running game. Do you think 
that Whipple and Frost will be patient enough to stick with it? Like, is it something that you think they will legitimately stick to and just impose? Do you want to win a football game? I, I, guys, I, I'm really concerned about the offensive line and that defensive line. Uh, I, you know, I can't be sitting here a week before the season and you only have five that you're comfortable with on the offensive line. You've got to play 12 football games. And one of those offensive linemen yeah, is probably going to be a, sad, a Sunday guy eventually in Teddy Prohaska. But remember, he's coming back from a knee injury, and you're going to ask him to play a lot of football over the course of four straight weeks to begin the season. I'm not comfortable with that offensive line at all. Even with Turner Corcoran moving to a no position where he might be more comfortable there, you know, kind of the Zach Sterrup. But I just think in pass pro, everything you've heard is two major scrimmages. They've really struggled. So let's play to their strengths. Can they run block? And can we do enough with better running backs who see holes, get to holes, follow their assignments, follow their blockers, are able to bounce it outside if need be, not unnecessarily, is that's what we're going to do. And I think you have to do that until guys up front have proven that they can give your quarterback time. I also factor into the passing game as part of this question. Man, I, I'm a little hesitant on the wide receivers. You know, I, where we're asking Trey Palmer now to be a true number one as a wide receiver, there's the great right. unknown about Omar Manning in availability during a game, during the week, what's going to happen there. So I'm not – I've kind of cooled a little bit on the wide receivers because it hasn't been a comfortable camp to me and looking at who's going to be the wide receivers. I mean, maybe one of the better stories in that room is the development of Marcus Washington where you went from okay to Marcus Washington as wide receiver number two. But to your original question, I think the strength will be running the football, and if you want to win, you're going to stick to – the run, and I believe Nebraska will do that. I don't think in the first game where you got to, I mean, your your whole goal is to win by at least one point. You, you can't be, you know, you got to be a little bit greedy. But I think you got to play really, really smart and play to your strengths. And look, it, we have no idea if Northwestern has fixed their major hole last year, and that was stopping the run. They couldn't stop the four of us running the football last year. Did they fix that in the off season? Well, best way to find out is start the game and pound it at them and develop an identity on the ground. And I think Nebraska will do that next Saturday. Gary, maybe I'm getting too um, too specific here, but when you talk about your sources and, uh, you know, the, the two scrimmages and what didn't happen for the offensive line for Nebraska, and that's, that's protection and pass pro, was that the defense sending the kitchen sink or was it the dreaded just a four-man rush got home? Not, you know, they didn't do anything fancy. And okay. that's, that, that's <laughs> that why I go. Says enough that's right there. I go. Yeah, so that's why I go, whoa. You know, they've got to work as a fivesome. And it, it, until that's taken care of, until that area becomes, you know, I don't know if it'll be a strength, can it be functional, then I think that's a worry. I think that's definitely a, a, a worry. Um, but, you know, you have, you, you, you're not going to find out until you play a real game. But I'm sure that Northwestern will test that offensive line when Nebraska uh, tries to throw, and they'll they'll mix it up a little bit. But it hasn't been, you know, Shenander's defense during the scrimmages hasn't been all wacky and, and running different stunts and things like that. I think his guys have just lined up and come at him. And so then that flips the question to, oh, boy, that those guys rushing the passer, maybe they've improved. It's a little bit of both, but I, I, I think that the pass pro has got to get better as the season goes along. But that whole offensive line, they need to develop that sixth, that seventh guy where you feel comfortable um, but 
be functional. Just I, I just need the offensive line this year to be functional. Not to be wow, but as a five-some, just be functional and not have the warts that you had last year where we don't know until you play a game. Those false starts, those untimely penalties, things like that. Gary, we, we got a couple minutes left here, Gary, and I, I want to get to high school football, but but really fast, based on everything you've been saying here this morning, would you recommend I, I, I take the under of 50.5 points? Yeah, I don't. I, I think in this game, uh, I, I don't win. Um, but I don't like where it's crept up to 13 points. Uh, I can see Nebraska winning by 7 to 9, maybe 10 points in this game. I've never liked the line in this contest, but I do like Nebraska to win. Gary Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You had Bellevue West and Creighton Prep last night and a lot of Division One potential, especially at, at Bellevue West. Danny Kalin gets his first start at quarterback. He has a Nebraska offer, throws a touchdown pass to Davion Hall, who's got a Nebraska offer. Um, what, did, what did you make of Prep? They, they seem a little bit resurgent. They, they were kind of in the doldrums for, you know, the, the early kind of 2010s. Uh, they seem like they're kind of back on their – usual footing great ball game prep great ball game last night yeah you know tim young husker won the state championship on the gross you know he's been at now for six years he's got that program turned around i mean they are yep. big the problem though is they're going to a quarterback to complete a forward pass um they have already brought a steal for north dakota state they're running behind one of the bigger offensive and the more experienced offensive lines in the state and sam sledge is the real deal guys Edge will yeah. come to Nebraska, and he will play a lot of football for Nebraska. He's going to offensive tackle. Crazy. He was really good last night on both sides of the ball. They just can't throw the ball. Uh, Noah Vedrill's brother, Ezra, his younger brother, is Trep's roster. He's on the quarterback last night. They just got to be better at, at, at football instead of just relying on the quarterback run game. On the other side of the ball, Bellevue West, Dan Kalen looked really, really good. He looked comfortable. It's the first time he's a starter. Uh, you know, he had some but there were flats where you're like, ah, oh, he has a big boy on. The thing about his Nebraska, was Nebraska hasn't had a lot of contact with him for a while. So I don't know where that stands. He's got 10 Power 5 offers. Football is really good. You know, typical receiver that's got good hands, runs really well, uh, runs after the catch. Lee West is very, very talented. But what a, what a okay, so to play a week zero. I mean, it was, and it was like bro, a row of high school Prospect Chucky Hepburn was there. It was fun tonight. It was a it was a really good game that came down to um, the final minute where Bellevue West uh, scored a touchdown with over a minute to to go to win twenty eight to uh, twenty one. But those are two rosters that are stacked full of talent. We're in a we're in a state this year where we've got ten power five prospects that are playing football in the class of twenty three. That's great for the state of Nebraska, and hopefully it ends up being great for Nebraska for players that they're bringing along. Uh, down to Lincoln, that includes M. Sledge or uh, Raymer up at our school backyard in Southeast. So, school football is in a good spot in the state. Sharpie, real quick, if folks want to watch, because uh, you're doing a lot of Friday night, Thursday night TV broadcasts, but what's, uh, is there a Twitter uh, spot, a uh, handle folks can go to to check out your games? Twitter uh, handle, but I could uh, send you a kick. So on Thursday nights, uh, if you haven't seen St. Flores, uh, we have Grant and Booth coming up on uh, Thursday night. And uh, then on the Friday night game, they're on uh, Cox. So it's great. Okay. You know, we're not the only ones that are doing it. It's, uh, a lot across the state. It's a great time of year, guys. And, you know, you guys uh, travel safely over to Ireland. I'm looking forward to your coverage. Uh, it's a unique thing for Nebraska. I think some might be sitting up until, you know, why are we here? 
hopefully they get the full experience because they're probably never going to come back to Dublin in their entire lifetime. But it is a business trip. A little bit matters between now and then, and Nebraska's still got two full padded practices to go before they hit the airplane and go to Ireland. Is They've got to find a way to win by at least one point. Nebraska cannot fall a week from May. They've got to win a football game for the psyche of the interior and the exterior for Nebraska football. So I'm looking forward to it, guys, and I can't you know. Gary Sharp. Sharpie, be good, man. Have a good week. Thanks so much. There he is, Gary Sharp. Elijah Herbal back in our studios. Mark Cranach, good sir. We will get uh, things packed and, and ready to go. It's on. And uh, we will be back with you Monday uh, at Hale Varsity at 4. Take care. Have a great weekend. Thanks for your time.